My name is Mike. I like the movies. So does Anthony. We both like the boobies. You know. This is Mike and Anthony's Soda Pop Culture Club. Me, Mike, along with my co-host, Anthony. Right here. Bring our take on TV, movies, and all pop culture from the 80s, 90s, and beyond. Today's movie we are bringing you is The, the Breakfast Club. 1980, oh, 1985 John Hughes classic, The Breakfast Club. So, well, see, I was going to say, to many, the greatest high school movie of all time. Okay, you can say that. Because to many it is. So, um, where were you when you first saw this? God, I don't even remember. You you didn't see it in the theater, I presume. Neither did I. No, I didn't. See I it remember. The I remember when it came out though, because um, everyone was talking about it, and I lived in Indiana at the time, and and uh, we would go over to Kokomo from the base, right? And I remember seeing it up in the movies. I was like, man, I wish I could see that. But as soon as it hit HBO or whatever medium I could see it on, I saw that. So I don't remember. I know it had to be in Indiana at some point. Um. I know this for sure because there's a story behind that, um, actually, because uh, there was a time I was playing cards. And, you know, at this point, I was um, maybe 10. Well, when this movie, 84, like 10, 11 years, 85. Yeah, about 11 years old. And I was playing cards with my uh, father and stepmother and my stepbrothers. <clears throat> and I was playing a card and I said, well, here's my dildo diamond. And, you know, I'm 11. Should I know what a dildo is? Hopefully Probably not. not. Hopefully not. And so, so my um, stepmother's like, where did you learn that? And I can only think now, the first time I had to hear this is when John Bender says, you fucking dildos. It's probably when I heard it. You're just so, like, Schwartz. <laughs> so I know. I just know where I heard that, man. Wow. Isn't that awesome? That's, yeah, that's good. Yeah. So, okay, that's I probably saw in Indiana, probably watched it on HBO, or they rented it not knowing what it was teaching me, and they didn't watch it because, well, parents, you know. Just don't understand. So, they just don't. They just don't understand. So you, you're saying you have no recollection? Of when I first saw it? I mean, when it came out, I was seven. Um, I don't know how old I was. I mean, when I first saw it, maybe... 12 13 i always feel like i maybe watched it with my cousins um yeah uh my cousins lived uh, across the street from me and um to my two older cousins um they're both really into movies because because like they had i mean i'm talking really into movies they had mm -hmm. the forehead vcr oh, oh yeah and <laughs> yeah not too long after that, a, with tracking, with track, where they with, could like with, oh, turn oh, a yeah. dial with tracking, yes. <laughs> and then, not too far down the road after that, a laser disc player. Ooh, shit! You know, it, here's the funny thing. You know what? The my father one day, um, in like it was like 1980 or 81. Yeah. Um, I was visiting him, and he rented a laser disc player. The first time they came out, like they first came out. And you know what the first movie I ever saw on Laserdisc was? Um, My Demon Lover. No, First Blood. First Blood with oh, Rambo. There you go. And so, uh, and I've never seen another movie on Laserdisc since. So, <laughs> so there you go. Because why? Why would I? You know, v VHS came out. You know, we didn't, we didn't need that. 
Was it wasn't necessary at that point, right? No. We don't need that bullshit. No. Definitely not. Stuff. So, why don't you start us off? Get us get us jumped up. Or do you want to go through uh did I have some or do you want to do Rotten Tomatoes last? Yeah, we'll do that last. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we already know it's very good. So, Yeah, yeah. We know it's a great movie. Go ahead. Let's um let's just I'll, to set this up um cuz this is important this the the opening sequence of the movie. <clears throat> we start off first and foremost with a quote from David Bowie's Changes. And these children that you spit on as they try to change their worlds are immune to your consultations. They're quite aware of what they're going through. Yes. Break away from that. So we begin then, we meet five very different, at least at first glance, students arriving for Saturday detention at Shermer High School. You may have heard of it. So we have Brian Johnson, Andrew Clark, Allison Reynolds, Claire Standish, John Bender. But in reality, they're known to themselves and to others as a brain, an athlete, basket case, a princess, and a criminal. So we hear Brian, a.k.a. Anthony Michael Hall's character, um, reading what we find out later as part of the essay they're assigned to write during detention by Mr. Vernon, uh, talking about how they saw each other as these stereotypes in the beginning. Um, Various shots of the school throughout, um, and then we meet uh, each of the five lucky detentionees as they show up, starting with Claire, the princess. <clears throat> she shows up and she still can't believe her dad can't get her out of detention because she skipped school to go shopping. Um, her dad basically is coddling her, so we see Claire already as a spoiled brat. Brian, the brain, dropped off by his mom, telling him he better figure out a way to study in detention, and his little sister in the backseat reaffirming her orders. Yeah. Can I tell you something real quick? What's up? Let you know, that was his real mother and little sister. But yes, ahead. I know that actually. I did see that. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> that's funny though. That's that's why you really it really come hits home when she's like, "You better figure out a way to study." Uh, I know um, it really is real. Probably that's probably a real conversation. But go yeah. ahead. we get uh, Andrew, the athlete, getting dropped off by his dad, who first is um, doing the jock buddy thing. Hey, I got I, I did stuff too, pal. You got caught. Then harping on him about blowing his ride, his scholarship. Build him up, bring him down. Thing. Right. Yeah. Um, John Bender, the criminal, is walking to school with no ride or parent in sight. And as he's going in, Allison, our basket case, gets dropped off by a parent that almost hits and kills Bender <laughs> as he's walking across the street <laughs> uh, and then speeds away without acknowledging Allison at all. So everybody takes a seat in the library. Principal Vernon comes in to tell them they each... this. Uh, for this Saturday detention, are going to write an essay about who they think they are. Um, Bender then asks uh, one more question to Mr. Vernon. If Barry Manilow knows he raids his wardrobe, he gets another Saturday detention from that. So that is what kicks us off with everybody in the library at detention. Yeah, um, that's a yeah that that beginning scene. I think um, the Bowie quote when you read it. You know, back then when I watched this, I don't think I read that and understood right. yeah. what I was reading. But when you read it, it actually is quite on point. And Very if you want to know why the quote is there, I'll tell you why. I'm, you may not know this. Um, Ali Sheedy was actually listening to Bowie and heard that and suggested that John Hughes use it in the movie. And that's why it was put at the beginning. Which is awesome. Yeah, little nuggets I've learned. See, I, I learn things. I, I'm I'm useful. I'm useful. Damn it, I'm useful. Keep talking about that, buddy. 
I am. I'm telling but, myself over and over again. <laughs> so that whole intro, I mean, that's the, to me, that that's a big part of the movie right there because that really already introduces you to the stereotypes that are these characters, which is what yeah, they're well, based about. What the one thing I like is, you know, when uh, Bender comes in late, a little bit after all them, and he goes to sit down, he goes where Brian is already sitting, right? Right. Make, oh, yeah. You see already he's going to fuck with somebody. Flex move. Just like that. Yeah, he flexes on him just like that. So, yeah. So, and, the, and, they, and they all sit and they're kind of click, right? I mean, obviously, the three, the only two that probably have anything in common are Andrew. And uh, Molly Ringwald's character. I can't remember her fucking name. Claire. Is. Claire. 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 That's right. The, the fat chick. Claire's a fat so, girl. Um, yeah, fat girl. Yeah. So Claire and Andrew have a lot more in common. They probably are in the same circle. So that's why they're sitting together. Everyone else is at their own table because they're all like in these other cliques that do not associate at all. If and when at all, like Allison's probably no friends like she said. Yeah, maybe. she's clickless. Clickless. She's like clicklist from Kroger. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, because <laughs> you made me think that. I miss Kroger. Do you? What do you guys have there? I mean, you're in New York State, right? We so. got uh, ShopRite. It's where I usually go. All right. Is it is it good? It's is good. it like it's good? A, yeah. Okay. Okay. I don't know. Don't have so, Kroger yeah. though. So. Yeah, yeah. They probably didn't Shermer, Illinois. Either, I miss it. So. so yeah, you see everything you need to know. Um, one of the things I always wanted to always wondered. Uh, when you first see that whole thing is the sculpture in the background. Yeah. Um, and I always wondered why there was no reason, any real reason why it was there. Did you know that? It, it was. I think it was to catch the, was it? it was to catch the pimento, pimento loaf, loaf from the sandwich. <laughs> but it actually has a name. I just thought I'd let you know what it is. It's called knife edge by Henry Moore. So, which is ironic considering the knife scene we see later in front of the knife edge, you know? So, yeah, there you go. Thank you. That was completely, completely useless. But OK, all the knowledge I have is useless. Ask my wife until we go to trivia and we win or finish in the top two and get money for it. Then it's like, oh, you're not so useless. See, I got everyone. You. Everyone hates you for having useless knowledge until it gives them money. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Or win a game, you know. True story. True story. Um, so in this, though, we see, to me, you know, at our age now, do when when you watch this, like when those people go in there, you're going in there with them. It's kind of like you're in detention with them and a fly on the wall. Right. Um, but at our age now, do you identify with the characters like you did when you were younger? Or do you understand that the principal is just trying to make these kids better? Like, I don't, I don't think his intention was to do anything other than to have them some, make them have self-reflection at that point when he you tells think them. So? This yeah. I don't, I don't think, I think his cruelty throughout the movie gets more, gets higher. Right. But I don't think he started off that way. I thought he was going to have an easy day. The door would be open. Those douchebags would be quiet and just write their damn essay. I think that's what he thought. And they'd have a little self-reflection. He knew Bender probably wouldn't write it, but he knew he'd probably get something a shit from Brian. Right. See, so, I think it's it was just a, a power move. You you think so? You don't think he's at this point he's just an educator trying to get through a Saturday. I think he's school. doing it to be a dick. All right, I, I, that's you know that's how I always took it. I thought I I think it was unorthodox compared to what they had done because people do say hey you know they act like that hasn't been done before. 
it's different, you know, like it's a different thing to do during it. But I, I thought, I think he truly wanted to just try something different, you know, that's all. Than the normal, just sitting there and doing nothing for uh, it was handed, it was handed down from corporate. Let's go with that. Probably not. He is the assistant principal. He's not like the principal, right? Like he's isn't he the assistant principal? So it's not like he's really in charge. You know, I, I always grew up thinking, assuming he was the principal. I don't think he, he might. Is. I think he was actually a maybe assistant. Let me take a look. Yeah. I'm gonna look, man. I'm a genius. Mm, yeah, sure. <laughs> anybody who says that is not a genius okay just just throw it out there well right. never know maybe it's like saying yeah, assistant, a, Princeton, assistant, assistant principal, principal richard, yeah. okay richard vernon so so he's not even the power excuse guy me, so maybe dick? The principal said that. excuse me dick what, what did he say will there be uh lunch provided yeah so yeah, so you go into the next scene, man. We know this this yeah, so me, this one, the biggest part of it, like you said, was the Manilo thing and the th- and the yeah and the essay thing. So that at that point and again we think you, kind of what you said, you would assume maybe they're just gonna sit there and do nothing. Just you know. But of course, you know, everybody's sitting around at first and Bender <laughs> decides he's gotta break the silence. Um what do we do if we have to take a leak? Pretends he's going to pee under his desk. And then this is when the initial confrontation starts. You know, Andrew threatens him. If one drop hits the floor, he's totaled. Like, totally. 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 Uh, you know, then Bender wants to close the door. So uh, assistant principal can't hear them. And get the prom queen impregnated. Leads to more yelling uh, between <laughs> Bender, Andrew, Claire. Uh, Brian's trying to interject to help alleviate the tension a little bit. Nobody listens to him. So he actually is at this point, a fly on the wall pretty much. Um, so this is what really kind of gets, gets, uh, <clears throat> gets stuff going as far as any interaction between them. Cause normally they would not talk to each other. <clears throat> so, you know, Vernon's yelling from the office. Um, and then this is where we get the, um, the arguments and the put downs, you know, about, you know, he doesn't count. Bender doesn't count. You know, if he disappeared, one matter, um, you know, and then they get into the, <clears throat> just talking about school activities, like, like that he, do, he doesn't want to do them. And I want to be just like you <laughs> here. All I need is a lobotomy and some tights. Great line. You wear tights. Great line. Oh, I do not wear tights or the required uniform tights. Shut up. Yeah. Great. It's called a singlet by the way. But So then we, we get the physics club. Brian's whole deal. To dorks like him. You load up, you party. Demented and sad, but social. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot going on in there. The um, the part that, it's obvious, like you said, with the one drop hits the floor thing, Bender is obviously an antagonizer. Um, Just a little bit. You know, you get the prom, you know, he's suggesting rape on the prom queen. Yeah. Um, you know, and you know, I, the whole... The whole thing, I, I actually read an article by Molly Ringwald. She wrote an editorial in The New Yorker about watching this with her daughter now. Like couple, This was a couple years ago when she did it. But she watched it with her daughter and how she looked at that. And she thought her daughter would have questions about these situations like this, getting the prom queen impregnated, you know, uh, the later on the panties scene. And some of the sexual aspects of it, she thought, is what she would have her hangups on. But that wasn't it at all, um, you know. Because, you know, sometimes people try to take these SJW 
goggles and look at everything through it and and don't just take it for what it is. I always took that as a joke. I don't think he really meant that he was going to rape the prom queen. Right. Um, and I think that's how I took it. But now there are people who listen to this and go, oh, my gosh, I can't believe he should never have said that. Uh, you know, whatever. It, in the moment, it was just a joke. They weren't like fucking they're fucking around. He said a lot of shit. You know, do you think he really means dude braids Barry Manilow's closet? It's this, to me, it's in that same vein. While it's a little bit more like graphic, it's, it's definitely right. in that yes, same vein. So yeah, like, and you couldn't ignore me if you sweets. You couldn't ignore me if you yes. Tried. He's yeah. just trying to he's trying to push buttons. That's all. Slipper the hot. That's the first time I ever heard that phrase. Slipper the hot beef injection. Like you know that I never heard that before I watched this movie. <laughs> I mean, that'd be weird if you had. I mean, I don't know where you. I don't know where else I would get that from. <laughs> don't even know. Don't even know. But now it's it's in my vocabulary now. Yeah. Yeah, so you know, there's all those are all um, things, but he, you know, the but like you said, the, they start having the conversation about well, to dorks like him, his club is just like yours, you know, yeah. you. And I think what what I like about Bender is I think he's really punching up in the sense that he's showing how they are classist, and I think throughout this movie you see that, like I mean, you see it later. Now, he is kind of a bully at times, but I think it's from a place where he sees how their behavior is just as much like being a bully without actually saying the words or doing the actions. You know, like that, I think that's why he's that way. I, you know, he's always, you know, making fun of them. Well, I think it's that, but it's also, it's part of the pecking order in high school. You know, you look at these types of stereotypes. These aren't just stereotypes, though. I mean, this is how. People are viewed in reality. You're getting picked on by this group, so you're going to pick on this group. And, you know, sometimes it's just in a circle or all the way down to Brian getting picked on. And well, and Brian, the thing with Brian, though, he's oblivious to the fact that Claire looks at him as a less than person. And like, you know, it's because he's intelligent and emo- uh, and well-adjusted emotionally other than his flare gun incident. But he... um he definitely does not see that. He thinks, well, I'm in a club. She's in clubs. We do, we do activities, but you know, he doesn't see the class system in the activities like Bender does. And that's why I think Bender's like that guy pointing out the, yeah, he's pointing out like, she doesn't think you're equal to you. You don't, you're equal to her at all. That's what he's saying. I don't think Brian is oblivious to that. I, I think I don't, well, I don't know if he's oblivious to it, but I don't think he understands how, she's really treating him like, like he probably thinks she's still nice and all. He just isn't in the same clubs. Um, and he doesn't hang out with the same people. He's just not cool like that. But I don't think he sees it as something that's cruel until it gets pointed out to him. And then later on, you know, he actually points out to her how she is, how conceited so, she is. Yeah. 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 So I'm saying, I, I, I really think that Bender, while he's kind of maniacal at times, really does point out some strange stuff. Oh, he definitely does. I mean, he could be cruel though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. so okay what do you have have more to go on on that we go now we get into more hijinks bender takes the screw out of the door (laughs) takes the screw out of the door screws fall out all the time the world's an imperfect place um so but he takes it out and what's interesting at this point is 
Vernon comes in, nobody tells him what happened. Like they're covering for Bender. So then, you know, they try <laughs> try to prop the door open and Bender, of course, points out the fire code. And then Vernon's, ah, what, are you, what are you doing? Get this out of here. So Vernon's just a D-bag. <clears throat> but then, you know, um, we get into the, the big verbal back and forth from Bender and Vernon, which starts with Eat My Shorts. Famous Bart Simpson line later on. Um, and he ends up with two months of detention, Saturday detentions, <clears throat> when all is said and done with that. And of course, yells a big fuck you as Vernon's walking out the door and Vernon just keeps going at that point. So we've had that big conflict right there. Um, now with yeah. that, what do you think about that? Like, you know, looking back on it now, kind of wonder why they didn't rat out Bender. Well, if you look, I, Brian moved his head a little bit, did some low key snitching is what I call it. He didn't say it, but he kind of nodded his head to the right to say, show it was him, but he didn't actually say it. What I thought, like you said, though, um, Claire showed some solidarity and came to his defense. Why would anyone steal a screw? Um, you know, like I, I, I found it interesting that that they all did that. Andrew's the one who's a little bit pissed because obviously he got. But here's the thing. Here's what I think happened in that scene. So Andrew, he makes Andrew get up and move that thing, and then once they point out that it's a fire hazard, he treats Andrew like shit and made made him act like it was his idea. And I think that all of a sudden made Andrew not hate Bender as much as he hates that guy. So it really changed that dynamic. I think it got, it's it's like a basic training, right? The drill, stru- drill instructor makes you hate him, but you, but you all have a common hate of your drill instructor for right. making you do all the shit you got to do. And I think that's what he did. He galvanized their 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 solidarity. I think now, he made them feel that way. The one thing I'm I'm wondering is though maybe it's also maybe they they partly owe him for at least getting the door shut. Yeah, partly because they wouldn't have had the day they had. They would not later on in hindsight. They should be going. You know what? That's the best fucking idea you ever had. Do you have the screw? I want to keep it as a memento. You know, <laughs> it's like because that was a great day they had. Or can I just have some more weed? <laughs> just yeah, weed, weed and a screw. That's all I want. See, I, I do love. I do love the. Uh, excuse me, sir, but it's seven, <laughs> including the time you asked to bury Manlow really in your wardrobe. <laughs> Too much. Better. Now it's eight. I got you for two months. <laughs> now it's eight. Yeah, now it's eight. You know, it's like, wow, yeah, asshole. It just added one on so you could have a round number, mm-hmm. like an even number. That's That was mean. <laughs> so yeah, we go. But yeah, he, um, no, I was going to say, I, I was going to say, I love the Eat My Shorts, um, the Eat My Shorts, and I loved all of the back and forth, you know, so, you know, yes. and the rising tension of that conversation. Not even I close, felt that. bud. When I was younger, I felt that tension because we all were in school and have had probably some sort of interaction where it felt tense with a, mm-hmm. a, a figure like that. So I really identify with that. Um, you know, it's funny, too, that we've within this interaction and Vernon's visits, just first couple there, you've already also seen he's got everybody pegged. He's you know, got them 
stereotyped the way he's talked to everybody. Claire, watch it, Missy. <laughs> Who'd steal a screw? She's like, shut your princess pouty mouth. Yeah. Andrew, you dumb jock. Get the magazine rack out of there. Brian. Yeah. You know, I expected better. Yeah. So, but then Bender too, this is where it's, you know, you think he's funny. You go visit John Bender in five years. You'll see how funny he is. So yeah, are a piece of shit loser kid. Yes, you are. You are a piece of shit loser. And then, um, I forget what he said to Allison. I forget. He said something at some point and then she like, Hey, you just wake sat up. there and took it. She doesn't wake up. talk, sir. <laughs> <laughs> wake up, wake up. Well, that's your next scene. You're probably going to go into that. So you get into that. <laughs> no, I was going to go just, um, you know, after that, then we go to, they're just screwing around, just wasting time. Allison's making a dandruff picture. <laughs> um, you know, Andrew's like. They use Parmesan cheese for that. Did they? That's good to yep, know. That's what they use. That's good to know. <laughs> that let you um, know. That's a that real was, dandruff. That was disgusting. Um, Andrew playing with the um, string on his sweatshirt and they're all just doing stupid shit and everybody seems like they fall asleep. Vernon. No cell phones. No cell phones. Yes. Makes for a better movie. Vern comes in. Wake up. Everyone. Who needs to wake use up. the lavatory? Hands all go up. So now. Um, they get to get their potty break. Bender then's ripping pages out of a library book. Destruction of property. Whatever. For what reason? It's just For what to, reason? To be a badass and say, fuck you, school, and fuck you, system. That's why. But um, this is where then Andrew is talking to Claire about possibly going to a party. And then we find a little more out about Claire. At Stubbies. At Stubbies. At you got to get that right. It's a party at Stubbies. Go ahead. It's supposed to be pretty wild. But then the whole Claire, um, she wants to avoid any parent conflicts with each uh, each one blaming the other for what she does. So she's so then you know this is her realizing she's just basically a pawn in her family. <laughs> so, well, being, yeah, you being are a princess. Parents, she's um, also you feel that ignored. They don't know about any of her feelings because she doesn't act like she has any. Yeah, you have money. You don't have feelings. Yeah, you have money. You're bringing sushi to fucking detention. You got money. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but back in the '80s, sushi. Think about that. That's that's like when sushi wasn't everywhere. But yeah, true. But then, all of a sudden, Allison. Ha! <laughs> she finally says you something. The music. I love the ha! music. I love the music when she says that, and you hear the yeah. that music behind it. You know, and then. Andrew really too. They're they're both like, you're feeling sorry for yourself. And then we have Bender jumping in. Hey, sport, you get along with your parents. Uh-huh. And then this is where, yeah, we get the, the in-person the we get some of the famous scenes. Yes, the impersonation of Brian's family. <laughs> Which that that was just oh funny. big Brian's. But I have homework to do. That's okay. You can do it on the boat. Can do it on the boat. Oh gosh. Um, oh gee, thanks, Dad. <clears throat> and then we get uh, Bender's his uh, reenactment of his family's life. Quite a downer. No good. Yeah, and then um, yeah, 
And within that, too, we find out Claire's name is Claire. <laughs> no, it's a fat girl's yeah. name. That's a good one. I, I mean, there's some things in there that you've talked about, like, um, like when he's talking to Claire and he ha- and he asks her the question, well, who would you choose? And she gives her explanation. And it's like, neither. I mean, if, if you were if those are your parents, which one would you choose? I would choose whichever one gave me the financial yeah. gain because that one, if they're, if you're, if you're not, yeah, if you're not going to be loved properly, at least get something out of the relationship. And I think her father seems like he's like doting, like he would give her whatever she wants. So I'd probably, if I was her, I'd live yeah. with the dad because he probably, because dads are more hands off. I think things. he's, it's and just give her money. He'll give her, he'll give her whatever she wants just so he doesn't have to deal with anything. We're finding out Claire yeah, is, not, you know, Claire's given the option. Who would you pick? And she would not live with either one of them. So that's tough. Yeah, she doesn't like it there. She's like a, that's why you, it's like, that's why I said you go for the money at that point. You got to be like, I hate both my parents, but my dad like makes all the money. So I'll go there. <laughs> and then we get the, probably the choice. Then uh, after that, Bender's trying to push more of Claire's buttons about sex <laughs> doing it in a car. Oh, <clears throat> yeah. Um, but shortly after that, then that's, that's when we get the physical confrontation. The, the stoner versus the wrestler <clears throat> part one. Part one. Yeah. Well, that's I want to get really into this with you, man, because I'd kill you. It's real simple. I'd kill you and your fucking parents would sue me. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was good. Emilio almost kicked his ass. That was good. And then the switchblade. See, I really could have killed you. I kill you. Well, yeah, he didn't know that. that. And I don't know, when I watched that as a kid, I think switchblades were more common to see people having. Like, you... you like in movies, it seemed like a normal thing to see that trope of uh, uh, somebody of that type of character having a knife. Like now, yeah. like I said, once again, How you have gun. that SJW crowd being, oh my gosh, it's a there's a knife, even a knife or gun, doesn't matter. Knife in the school, what are we going to do? Can't let kids watch this movie, you know, whatever. It, it, it's, it's not the point of it, you know. The point isn't that the, a high schooler has a knife in the school. It's the point of the emotions that brought him to that. People are stupid sometimes. So yeah, the it's uh, it's that SJW bullshit, which which I'm not, you know, I get it. I'll point out things that now would be wrong, but it doesn't make the movie bad, you know. That's all I'm saying. No, I agree. People it doesn't like, make it wrong back then because there's a reason it was definitely that doesn't way. make it then. So, I mean, the first thing we see, and, and and we didn't even talk about this. The first thing we see is the locker that has a word that now people don't use. They call it offensive. Um, and it is offensive now. Fag. Yeah. You can't just use that word unless you're talking about a cigarette in the United Kingdom. Well, you even That's look about at it. You know? the noose on the locker too. Yeah. there. Well, yeah. But in this white bread world, I didn't think of that. <laughs> so there you go. You know, I didn't think of that because, you know, it's the movie doesn't have one person of color. That's another um, thing that people try to criticize, which is okay. I mean, I get it. Probably in a school that big, you might have had someone of color in detention. So they could have done a little better with that. 
I get that, but it doesn't ruin the movie for me at hey, all. You know what though? Um, Let's argue the other side of that too. Because if you had done that, then there's going to be people complaining. Well, why is the black guy got to be in detention? Why is he the troublemaker? True. And, and yeah, what role did you give him? Maybe he's the jock. Maybe, maybe you gave him Andrew's character, right? And then you're going to be, why are you stereotypically casting him as the, the athletic guy? You know, and there's, and uh, maybe you cast him as Brian. That'd probably be the only one you could cast him as. And somebody wouldn't think, well, why are you doing that? Right. Yeah. But then they would say, why are you making him be the one that has to carry around it's, Bender's dope? You know, I don't know. No matter which way, somebody's going to argue something about it. We're just That's just kind of, I think, what we're getting at there. The society we live in. Yeah, it is a society we live in. I, I love the term that Bender comes up with here. Um, Neo Maxi. Yeah. Zoom Dweeby. I, I never heard that until this movie. I, was Is that a thing? Before I don't this? think it existed until this movie. Yeah. It's pretty good. Yeah. That was, uh, that was, but, uh, yeah, it was pretty good. Now we have, um, um I was going to say right after this, mm-hmm. what kind of makes the movie for me, Carl, the janitor. Yeah. Comes in. Carl is cool. Carl's um, awesome. He's above all that drama. I would agree with that. I would say I have to I would totally agree. I probably relate to Brian the most <laughs> watching this growing up, but I wish I related to Carl. Uh, when I was growing up, I didn't relate to all the characters. I related to pieces of all of them. Um, I'd say I related probably more to Bender and Bender. Allison. The only reason is because I wasn't a jock like that and I wasn't a princess or prince and I wasn't like um, an egghead. Uh, So, you know, I was probably more somewhere around the loner or bad guy who hung out with. I wasn't, I didn't have money. We were poor. In my world, I was poor, but maybe I wasn't. I don't know. Yeah. I felt poor. Let's put it that way. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you had HBO. I, have Shut anything. Up. I never went on any vacations. That's about the most, that's the biggest luxury I had. And guess what? I watched it all. Yeah, you did. But I love that we Here's find that. out um, Carl eyes and ears of this institution. Bender's like, Oh shit. Oh, been in your locker. <laughs> <laughs> locker. You don't know that, but I do. <laughs> um, so yeah, <clears throat> that's kind of crazy. He's the shit. He's he is the omniscient presence. Um, so then it's lunchtime after that. <laughs> now, this is good times. Now, this also is again Vernon stereotyping too because Andrew's selected to go with him to go to the Coke machine and. Cause he's a strong male. He's t- teaming up and he wants to go with Claire. He's like, and you. So he's like, yeah, I'm not putting you out there with your buddy. I'm going with somebody. I don't think you actually want to be near. So again, stereotyping <laughs> and judging. Yes. But then this is where we first get, um, anything from Allison other than the ha. Um, you know, what do you drink? Vodka tons. So tons. Allison's Allison's a bit of a drinker. We find out at this point. Maybe she's also a compulsive liar. She is. This is true. 
So um, we don't know. She could have been lying then. We don't know. <laughs> then uh, Andrew tells her about detention and all that, not wanting to lose a scholarship, blah, blah, blah. Um, so we do get Allison's just like, you're full of shit. So they're waiting back uh, inside in uh, the library too. the other three vendors back on pushing Claire's buttons. <laughs> um, and then we get okay. uh, the uh, virginity comes up when he accuses Brian of being a virgin. Brian's like all embarrassed and he's motioning. Oh, so you and Claire did it. And Brian just like, why it, were, but here's a question. It's yeah. Why were we obsessed with it? Virginity. Why were we obsessed with that back then? Cause I, I remember people talking about it. Why were we obsessed with virginity? I don't understand. Because back then at that time, it's, it's embarrassing to be a virgin. Brian's embarrassed. It's embarrassing for a guy. Yeah, to be, it's embarrassing. Everyone. It's embarrassing for a guy to be a virgin. I guess it just, I mean, that's, that's how you felt in high school. You didn't think so. Oh, I didn't feel that way. I didn't feel that way. Do you feel that way now? I'm embarrassed, but not for being, <laughs> not for, for not being a virgin. <laughs> you, you go with whatever story uh, you no, want. But back then, well, but then you get like we were obsessed with it. Claire, here's Claire saying, oh, "I think it's okay," but she's saying it like, like it's some like revelation here. No, I actually am one person that thinks it's okay for a guy to be a virgin. Like the rest of the free world doesn't apparently. This is just what's going on. Brian's like, yeah, let's. And I'm sorry, Brian, have some self awareness. Do you think anybody doesn't think you're a virgin in this movie? Yeah, he needed to just you say, have, you, know you have a calculator watch for crying out loud. <laughs> I know, I noticed that. <laughs> That's not bagging any babes. Uh, no, you're not. That's not the. That's not a Rolex. That's but not attracting the ladies yeah. in. So we get that. Which, to be honest with you, like that's one scene in the movie that I just didn't really think it was even necessary. I don't know. I mean, it shows you know, Brian, like the whole him thinking Brian's Claire, insecurity Brian about it. That's like, eh. but I mean, I get what you're saying. I'm saying like, I think it just was. You know, a lot of kids in high school. You know. When it, when you are one of the people that have not done it, the other people that have done it are like in a their own cool club at that point. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like the first people to go party and drink, and the people that don't like just it, the a separation thing. But now we get to yes, separating one, her. One of the best parts: lunch. Holy shit! <laughs> um, you talking about Andrew's lunch? Everybody's like. Well, Al- his is like uh, the fucking whole store. Oh, I know. His was a corner market being bought out. Whole bag, like, what was it? Three sandwiches or two giant sandwiches? Ba- a bag of donuts. Yeah. <laughs> Just like. My favorite one is a bag of donuts. And lot, I'm watching this every time. I love it because like I get you're a wrestler and an athlete in this, but you're also Emilio Estevez. You are four foot seven. You ain't fitting all that food in you. <laughs> Not like, at all. Maybe, maybe hey, try to keep weight in wrestling. Maybe, maybe if it was later in the movie after you got high in the library. Okay, then you got a chance. I wonder if he had saved any of those donuts for that for that point in time because they would have come in handy. Oh shit! Yeah, man, I bet yeah. he had to, because there's no way they could have got through that. 
Right. Exactly. I'm like, where's the food? Um, so then Allison sandwich. Was that a culinary masterpiece or what? I love Captain Crunch, and that's what that looked like. So it was. I, I know you, you know that sandwich. It's going to rip her mouth up when she took that bite. Captain Crunch and Pixie Stick. There should be blood. There should be blood on the bread from where her mouth touched it because it got ripped by the now, fucking Captain Crunch. So that's here's what I what I want to know: Were those Pixie Sticks or like just little like sugar in like? Because they all look. I think they're supposed to be pixie sticks. I thought it. I always thought it was just sugar. I was like, they make sugar in like little sticks like that. They did years ago, but they're smaller. That I think was supposed to be a pixie stick, though. I don't know. I, I growing up watching, I always thought it. It looks like just sugar, though. Like she's just putting extra sugar on her cereal, which. But either way, yeah. Either way, either way when she takes it's a disgusting. bite, of that, it's like, oh my god. Oh. Uh, <clears throat> Yeah, Dennis around the world cringed at that. Um, but then, yeah, so uh, then we got uh, Brian's lunch. You know, I didn't cringe when I was a kid. I didn't cringe when I was a kid, though. I just want to let you know, when I watched that, I thought, hmm, I wonder if that tastes good. But go ahead. Oh, no, I didn't cringe. I said dentists all around the world would cringe at that. Not me. It's like, hmm, interesting. Okay. I mean, I might have gone for a triple decker and added another slice of bread in there, but either way. So, oh, there you go. Maybe a piece of cheese. Yeah. And um, you know, I uh skipped ahead earlier when I was talking about Bender's uh, impersonations of everybody. I know because that came later during this. I part. know that. I forgot I got triggered by that. I know um, you've. Once he imitates Brian, got triggered, but, but okay, the Brian's lunch. That's where my favorite line happens in the whole movie. But go ahead. What's your favorite line? And I use this to this day when I want my wife to go away. I'll say, "Go fix me a turkey pot pie." Gotcha. <laughs> no, give me that. You know Do that. Tell tell my, your woman that. Say, my, "Bitch, go fix me a turkey wow. pot pie." <laughs> you got problems. My favorite line from the movie actually is see you next Saturday. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. I love Carl. that. Yeah. <laughs> see you next Saturday. Yeah. Um, yeah, the lunches are great. Then Claire's sushi and Bender's lunch. Which, uh, yeah. I mean, Brian's Bender's lunch. Claire's wearing it. <laughs> you're wearing, yeah, you're wearing it. That I have that line written down here. It's like lunch is excellent. You're wearing it. <laughs> But no, Brian's lunch is like, you know, what you would expect someone to have got when you're in elementary school and you had that kid who did have the thermos thing and the, and the parents, the parents that were, made the lunch that yeah, had that were conscious uh, about what he ate too. Yeah. My parents just had me buy my lunch and never made me a lunch, you know? So I never had that. I did and both. I, and here's a little, little thing. I, good. I, I, I miss squeeze it's. Oh, I didn't have those when I was a kid. But uh, when I lived in Indiana and I went and I, we lived on the Air Force Base, the elementary school was literally three houses down from my where I lived, out right outside the fence. So I could go walk home in elementary oh. school for lunch. Now that's nice. So th- that was that was that was kind of nice. Were you, know, you allowed I, to, though? You know, I didn't mind it. Were you allowed? Yeah, to? I was allowed because, yeah, base kids are allowed because it's very secure. Oh, it's not like walking in the public. That I, makes it, sense. 
it's an Air Force base. Someone will shoot you if you come in and you're not supposed to. You, I'll tell you what sucks. <laughs> so I'm now that we're getting into school lunches. I remember uh, in junior high, our school was like a block or two down from like a gas station, um, a corner market, a bar. Actually, that kids were allowed in during the day for lunch because they had like really good chili and stuff like that. And then they closed down open lunches because too many students were being douchebags and like getting in trouble or vandalizing shit. I'm like, you fucking assholes. So then we were stuck in for like the rest of my time in junior high. Stuck in. Having, well, not having the option. This to go was anywhere. elementary school. So it's just, it just, and we're on an Air Force base where it's more strict. It just gave me PTSD about it. And so I'm sorry, man. Then we get, so we get Bender starting to show his emotions. Um, and then Andrew doesn't believe him. He thinks he's full of shit. And then you, Bender shows him the, the cigar burns. And then he gets pissed off. And, yeah. goes up, and then goes that's up when there. he's, when he says my favorite line that I told the story earlier, you fucking dildos <laughs> walks off, man. Tell you, that's where I heard that the first time. I, I know it is, man. You definitely got me in trouble. You definitely relate to Bender. Don't you? Yeah, I do. Um, you, you want to be Bender. Who doesn't? Well, I mean, who didn't back then? Now he's a questionable. There are some things I like about him. We'll get to that because uh, we'll get to those things here in a moment. Um, when we get, I'll, I'll tell you some things I think about that. So, because I have a question for you at the end. That, oh, goody. I can't wait. So, so um, then this is where we're at. Like, the, Bender's like, go ahead. had his little meltdown and he's pissed off. Yeah. He did have his little meltdown, but but the thing is, is what's weird is it, it does that, but then we cut to what I think is really weird is then you cut to what what's his nuts, um, Vernon, spilling his fucking coffee. Yeah. Um, and I, I just want to say that was the blackest ass coffee I have ever seen. Oh, it looked delicious. Like it, <laughs> it looked like it had been sitting there like since the day before in the pot, like. Getting like warm. it turned to tar. But he brought it because it's in that thermos. Yeah. yeah. He brought that in the thermos he had, though. <laughs> so that's his own shit. He's got a thermos just like Brian. Well, you know, they're probably closer to each other than any of the others. You know, it's actually funny. I just thought that was like some of the. You know what it makes me think of when I see that? It makes me think of Gremlins. Remember the, the coffee maker, his invention? Yeah. The coffee maker that like starts shooting out tar. Yeah. When it malfunctions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what it reminds me of. Do you know who's super afraid of that movie? Of Gremlins? Yeah. My son. No, your brother-in-law, Toby. Is he really? That movie gave him nightmares. Oh, boy. My son hasn't watched it all yet. We we started it. We got to the point where the bad stripes are lurking, and he didn't want to do anymore. Yeah, he'd probably get them nightmares like his uncle. But yeah, <laughs> he loves watching Five Nights at Freddy's. So go figure. Yeah, I don't know that who could figure it out. All right. Do you have some more synopsis? Let's get moving. Yeah. Here. yeah so we get, um, you know, Bender um, cut to Bender leading everybody out into the hall. To go get his weed. That's fun. Yeah. But then now we have. Vernon hears him. He's coming. What are we going to do? Kind of is like Five Nights at Freddy's right there. 
where are they at? Where are we going to go? Um, shoves his weed down uh, Brian's pants, takes off to distract uh, Vernon. Keep everybody else safe, too. Um, so then we get the, uh, he's in the basketball, he's in the gym playing basketball, <laughs> thinking about getting me a scholarship, which I love. He's playing. That line bas- has always stuck with me. Playing ba- it does playing basketball with one shoe on. <laughs> well, he had the one, but I, here's the thing. If you look, his coat and his other boot is yeah. over on the ground and he found that shoe in right. the gymnasium. What the fuck? <laughs> like, and he got it on that fast, like whatever. So then we, then, then no, we obviously get it. wasn't 10 foot rim. Then he throws ver, uh, Bender in the closet. And is this a metaphor? It, you know what? I'm not going to make it that. So let's just gloss over that. Um, but then this is where we get the I'm face, face to face. Show me how tough you are. And he's like, <laughs> you don't know if Bender wants to cry or what in that scene. Um, but, I talked to my wife about this. We were watching it and we said that now he could, it would be hard for him to get away with that because if a kid were to say that happened, they would believe the kid now and his reputation wouldn't matter, you know, in in a lot of places. I mean, there's probably still places that could happen and be okay, you know, where he wouldn't get in trouble, but a lot of places they take the benefit of the doubt on the kid. No, this would have been, and schools were probably not cameras too. I was going to say, if this happened today, it would have been recorded on four different cell phones. Everybody else would have been recording it. Yeah, he. So, I'm gonna knock your dick in the, the dirt. dirt. <laughs> He's talking about stalking him uh, throughout his life, and then at his weakest moment, yeah, kicking his ass. There. <laughs> that is like what the fuck. That's hardcore shit. But so shortly, like after this, then Bender up, you know, in the in the ducks cl- climbing over the ceiling. I always like. Man, I wanted to hear the end of that joke. There Naked, is no end, by the way. If you walk, want to know the truth. Walks into how do you know? I've looked it up. They they said it has no end. It, it goes a naked blonde walks into a bar carrying a poodle under one arm and a six foot six salami, foot salami under the, the other. other. The bartender says, I don't suppose you'd be needing a drink. The blonde says, Oh shit. That's what he says. And they asked uh John Hughes, what's the punchline? He says there is none. That was um, actually made up. Damn it. Oh, well. And that's what kills you because it's like a joke that doesn't have an end. You're like, what the fuck? Damn. I'm disappointed. You think by now they could have made one for it? So anyways, then everybody covers up for Bender again. Not ratting him out that he just crashed through the ceiling. And he's stuck under Claire's desk. And then we had the panty scene. Yeah. And you want to know something about that? That was not her panties. That was a, an panty adult double. panty because she was still under age. Panty when double. She made this movie. Well, that's yeah. good to know. And her but... mother didn't want them to have that in the scene. Remember I was telling you, I read that article. Her mother didn't want the scene to be in there at all, but John Hughes didn't listen to her. Yeah. He's like, no, it's going to be in there because he had some ideas and and I don't remember all of them, but he had some ideas that would have been made this turn into like a lampoonish because you got to remember he did write for the lampoon yeah. and some of his humor, um, he would listen to Molly Ringwald and take some things out. So she had an effect on this where there were some things taken out that were worse than than what they could have been. So that was that's a nice thing. Trust me, because what I read 
I just know that some of the things she took had him take out would have been awful. Yeah, looking back on it. Oh, I'm <laughs> sure. Like, oh no, I'm sure. But then that's leads up to the. <coughs> is that is that the lo- is that the ruckus you heard? Yeah. <laughs> no, that is not the ruckus I heard. <laughs> but then this leads to yeah the all time classic classic scene of the movie. I will not be made a fool out of. Turns around, he's got the uh, toilet seat cover hanging out of his pants. <laughs> yeah, he's. Uh, oh, I love that. He scene. Definitely won't be made a fool of. Uh, that's great. And I think honest, honestly, after this, the whole scene, uh, the whole block of time that we get after this, yeah, they're really getting along because they're um, getting high, and we're they're getting high. They're playing music. And they're having deep conversations. I mean, um, the only break we get from them in this at this time is when, dude, like you said, your favorite character, Carl, yeah, catches a uh, uh, Vernon down the spying on his fact. Why is he reading the faculty files? I when I was a kid, you know what I thought it was? I thought it was he was reading Bender's file because that would have made sense to me. Like, why? What's he reading? You know, right? Why? Why? Why is he reading his? the dirt on his faculty. I never understood that later on when I watched it. Like, why is he reading their dirt? Cause it means nothing to him at this moment. And the person he's, he's trying to have an issue with, he's, he's an asshole and he's nosy. That's why he's assistant principal, not principal. He's out of coffee. He's People don't. All. Nothing else to do. And I'll say Carl made 50 bucks in this movie. That's all I do know. <laughs> he sure did. I want to know, yeah, you know, and then yeah. I want to know who bought the beer or where did it come from? The old style. Yeah. Um, that's a Chicago thing. That's a Chicago beer. Um, so yeah. Um, he may have had it with him already. I bet Carl had the beer. I'm Carl I mean, uh, he probably said, you know what? That. Let's go have a beer. I, I, I can drink with you. He probably had time. it in his cart. Cause I just busted you for snooping in the confidential files. He probably had it in his cart. Because he didn't expect anybody to be there while he's working. And he's like, I'll just have a couple beers while I'm, you know, picking the trash up and stuff from right. yesterday. You know, so yeah, his old style, man. That's good stuff. Mm-hmm. You ain't like beer. Shut now, <laughs> you don't even like I beer. I want to talk about what I think. <laughs> no, I don't, but I, <laughs> I appreciate uh, the the old style is served at Wrigley Field, and I'm a Cubs fan. So, so, uh, so the the to me the best piece of directing in this whole movie is when they're sitting around in the circle having those conversations. Yeah. You know, from doing the party tricks to getting Claire to admit she's a virgin, uh, you know, cuz Allison's a fucking compulsive liar. And I think to me the best directing was when Emilio and his his acting is brilliant, by the way. When he talks about Larry Lester, yeah, um, and his empathy for him, the the camera, if you watch, the camera circles around, and it makes you feel like you're in the circle, looking back at him from all these angles, and you're like in there with him. And his and he actually doesn't feel mechanical at all. He feels like he really feels the words he's saying. I thought that was like the best directing that I have ever seen, you know, like in, in a high school movie. I think it, it actually, cause this movie, when you think about it, there's really not any action. There's it's well, all falling, falling, through this, falling through the ceiling is, I would call that action. 
but that's like two seconds, right? Like, um, and then this and movie is a play. Emilio shattering the windows because <laughs> he yells so loud. <laughs> like that's bullshit. Yeah, but that's, whatever. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, if you're high, you're not that motivated to do see, that. By the way. I still watching that. I was always like, even to this day when I watch, I'm like, did that actually happen, or is it something like they're so stoned he imagines he do, is doing that or something? You know what I mean? The way you watch that scene. Yeah, or did he really do it? Well, later on, the window's still there, isn't it? When uh, Brian is dancing, right before they decide to do the uh, when they get before the makeover. I don't um, know because that whole like montage. I don't know if they're just showing everybody dancing at like different times or whatever. So I don't know. Anyways, oh okay, yeah. So window. There's a story about that though. I can tell you a story. The the dancing thing. It was supposed to be just Claire, but Molly Ringwald felt self-conscious about it so john hughes de- um decided to ca- to film them all dancing at some point in some way so nice very good see i have like i have nuggets I have you nuggets. do you've got nuggets i've heard about that um so yeah it was yes that whole scene like you know all of them and then brian's story too which that i was right yeah oh like that's like it's crazy because you think of the day and age we're in now, you know? Yeah. That one hit hard, you know? And just like you talked about, you even said this earlier, you know, about the, the, Oh my gosh, somebody's got a knife at school and what people say. And, you know, it's not about that though. It's about what made them bring it to school, you know? So you have, Mm -hmm. you have this all the way back in 1985. And to look at what's happened since then, it's like, wow, you know, because to me, I think, yeah, it's something that bugs me about the movie, not about the movie, but about the fact that there's your message right there, you know? Yeah. 30 over 35 years ago, there's your fucking message and people still don't get it, you know, but yeah, it's just, I'm with you. He, he felt a lot of pressure and felt like one moment of his life was enough failure that he didn't deserve to go on. Mm-hmm. And I think what I love about it in, in both situations, um, like when uh, Andrew gets done with his story, Bender says, I think your old man and my old man should get together and go bowling a little bit of humor. When Anthony Michael Hall, uh, Brian's done with his story. They're all like, you know, laughing a little bit once he says what kind of gun it is. And it kind of brings him back to reality that, you know, really there's absurdity to this and, and it's not as serious as it has you making it out to be. You can laugh. You it's serious that you had the feelings. You can look at it and go, you know what? I can move on from this. But then it's, it's that. And then it's almost kind of like a sigh of relief for everybody that, Hey, we just, you know, we all are fucked up. We all have issues. You know, we've all got these problems, had no idea because you don't think past your own problems, but that they're all bonding over this too. Hence the breakfast club. Yeah. That's why they're a club. Yeah. I, yeah. Do you know what it was going to be called though? Um, the, it was going to yeah. be called the lunch bunch. Yeah. Was it the lunch bunch? So glad they didn't do that. That was shit. Yeah. That's a shit title. So. Yeah. Um, but I'll say to me, um, another really real moment. I I feel Emilio gets a lot of scenes that are 
more feeling when hit when out when allison uh, dumps her bag out all her shit and then he follows her and says hey you you know what what's wrong and right and their and their looks that they have and how, how he can kind of tell in a, and her acting is so good he can tell in a look the feeling of how she feels at home she ends up saying a couple things but but before that, he, I don't think he needed much to be said. And they have probably the realest moment in the whole movie, in my opinion. Like, like they have this emotional connection that no one else has. I mean, if you think about it, Claire and uh, Bender don't have that emotional connection. I mean, it was more like lust for her, it felt like, in the end, didn't it? I mean, it didn't. I don't know. Emotional. Brian's not emotionally connected to anything. Well, Brian's just. You don't know? Brian's, I mean, he's the screech in the group. Yeah, he is, but he's not a, he's cooler than, no, he wants to be friends when this is all said and done. Yeah. And you still wonder, you know, I agree. What happens afterwards Monday at school? I was going to say, who's going to, what's going to happen on Monday. I have that in my notes. Yeah. Um, I think they're changed and I think they, they do acknowledge each other. So you think, I think after you think Claire comment from Brian, you think Claire misses prom because she gets pregnant? I do not. However, um, I do have a question for you on this. Okay, so where are these people 30 years from from uh, where they're at right now? I have an idea of where they're at. I feel Claire is probably on her second or third marriage. Yeah. And she always had a streak for bad boys, and she finally got a rich guy who met all the criteria. I don't think she's with Bender at all. Um, I, I think Brian is rich and invented some app that, you know, lets you swipe right. Um, I feel Andrew probably got injured and lost his ride and is probably working in a local factory or gas station or something, you know, never quite reached his full potential because of it, but he's content. Now I think Andrew, um, I feel, I, I think Andrew owns a construction company. I, yeah, I also thought he could be selling cars because he'd think, be a local celebrity. In wrestling, I think you know? he owns Big Andy's, uh, Big Andy's buildings and such. There you go. I think uh, um, Allison, and then, uh, Allison, Allison, she she ends up being the most uh, successful and fulfilled person out of the whole group because she goes to therapy. Um, so uh, she goes to Bender, therapy. Though I think honestly, she goes to therapy and becomes a therapist. Uh, there you go. Mary's a gymnast. After nailing one, she becomes one. Yeah. I uh, I think Bender, though, I think he ends up being the most well-adjusted, in my opinion. And the reason is this. I think he already partied and had all the good times, and I think he's going to get bored with that. And he's obviously a person who works with his hands, right? Like, he, he yeah. knows how to do shop real well. Goes to I think school. Goes to a trade school, maybe university. Ends up... I don't know, being an artist because he he looks creative too. Look how he dresses. It's not like he dresses like a typical jot or a typical uh, a greaser or whatever you want to call it, hood. Back in the day, they called them hoods, right? He doesn't dress like them. He's a little more creative than that. So I think he's doing something with his hands. He may be a welder. You know, he creates things. And I think he has a kid and he has a couple kids and a wife and he's well adjusted. And he talks about the times when he was a badass and made it with the prom queen or something. You know, I think that's that's his life. I think that is. Oh. All right, there we go. There's part two. Think? There's part two. I, of I what of the movie? Oh, did you know that this was supposed to be a, a franchise? Was it? 
They were going to make multiple movies of each character. They were going to make ones of each character and have an explanation for each character, but he decided against doing it. This was supposed to be a franchise. Wow. Interesting. And there was a thing in the works to do a follow-up, but he died before they could get it finalized. Interesting. You know what? It would be actually yeah. what, not necessarily an individual one. It would be cool to see a high school reunion of this. Yeah, it would be like, you know, 25 year reunion gonna, or 30. You were going to do something to, to follow up. That would be interesting. But at the same time, I wouldn't don't know that I'd ever want to do it. Cause don't fuck with this movie. Don't ruin it. It's so good on its own. So, yeah, I mean, you know, um, the they get Brian to write the essay, right? So yes, because Claire doesn't want to. They all can go fuck off. Claire doesn't want to. Neither none of them do. To be none honest. of them do, but she also well, feels like Brian. Ender, Ender has to go back to the closet. Yes, he's got to get back to home base. Yeah, home base. <laughs> Tag, you're it. Okay, but here's what I, I had a question on this. Hmm. Um, how did uh, he have to crawl through the ceiling, but then Claire could just come and go in there? And my explanation to my wife was, because she's the one who brought the question up, I said, well, maybe it was a deadbolt on the outside. So if he'd have came in through there, he wouldn't have been able to yeah, turn. Yeah, it was the- just locked from the outside. Like he had left. Yeah, it was just locked from the outside. So maybe Claire could relock it when she left. That's why. Dude, she can put lipstick on with her boobs. I'm sure she can pick locks. And actually, she can't do that. That was a, that was a movie trick. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> I didn't really uh, she- <laughs> think she could do it. You didn't think she, oh God, she said in the article that I read, she could not do it. Well, I wouldn't think so. She doesn't have enough boobs to do it. Or at least she I didn't know back she then. Didn't have any no, not she so, doesn't have, maybe. I don't know. I haven't looked. But uh, then, so yeah, brilliant movie. Yep. Yeah, she gets in there because, uh, that's a weird moment. Vernon's still downstairs and getting, Why? Getting, uh, I mean, do you do a what? Why is she into him though? After all the day, do you think? Is it the negging thing? Like she, he negged her all day. Chicks dig assholes. Yeah, that's true. Like that's like you said, we're we're still back in the library writing the essay. You and I. Yeah, that's what we would be doing. <laughs> Actually, our essays would have been done. We're playing paper football. I probably would have been done with that essay, yeah, a long time ago, just so I could have it over with. So you also, um, the one thing we didn't mention, though, Allison, why why she's in detention. Oh, well, I was going to go through that, how why everyone's in detention. But, yeah. So why is she in detention? You, you, what is it? She, she had nothing better to do. That is ridiculous. Okay. So why was uh, Brian in detention? Flare gun in the locker. Um, Andrew was butt cheeks. Butt cheek taping. Claire was shopping during class when she was supposed to be in class. Skipping school. And then Bender. What did Bender do? Yeah, what did Bender do? He pulled the fire alarm last Friday. Damn, I forgot about that. Because I I thought that you bet you thought that was funny when you pulled that fire alarm Friday. I totally blanked on yeah, that. Like, what the hell did he do to get in there in the first place? I forgot. Cause I'm like, I, he's like a lifer in there. He's every Saturday till graduation. Yes. Yeah. He's there till forever. 
Yeah, I forgot because that's like so. Yeah, casually so, mentioned. Yeah, but Allison's is the most ridiculous. Like she's bored. I I believe because she's a, a a compulsive liar, she has a real reason. It's probably for stealing something, and like an office supply somewhere. And they're like, "Hey, you can't do that. You get yeah. Saturday detention." You know. I don't think so. I think that was the first time she told the truth. The whole movie. <laughs> first time she told the truth the whole movie right I'm here for no reason at oh all. she i think she told the truth to andrew about her home life i think you know yeah i'm here for nothing i just knew something special was going to happen today and i didn't want to miss it so this movie ends iconically you gotta assume i'm just wondering if she just doesn't want to be around her parents or what who alice yeah oh yeah she says her home life sucks her parents ignore her so yeah i mean She's like, they don't even know she's gone. Well, no, they dropped her fucking off. That's how, think yeah. of this. She had to lie to them to get there. Say, oh, I have Saturday detention. That's how much she doesn't like them. And they dropped her off. And sped away. Yeah. yeah. What are you talking about? The ending? I'll say, uh, how's it? Give us the ending. So we have, it's time for everybody to go home. <laughs> First, my, my favorite part. See you next Saturday. <laughs> um, to the janitor. Carl. But then we see who got together. We see the hookups. Andrew and Allison, which I love. She steals the patch off his jacket. <laughs> Little Miss Klepto. Uh, he, he lets her, though. And then um, Claire and Bender. Little make out. Bender's like wanting to bend her over on the car there. Um, she's like, yeah, no. Just the earring, her. though. And gives him the earring. Yes, the diamond earring that he. How much have. is that earring worth, though? I mean, that's, that's that's not a cheap fucking earring. That's a big rock. <laughs> Unless it's one of those zircons. That's a big rock. Uh, it was probably a sweet sixteen present, oh, special occasion, sweet sixteen. Um, um, you know, Brian. You see, you see Brian get into the car, and you know who that is driving the car. Huh. Oh, was that John Hughes? Probably not. It's John. Yes, it was. It was okay. John Hughes. Yes, plain as dad. Plain as dad. I was just, I was just Ma- seeing if you noticed. Mom to drop off, dad to pick up. Yes. So then we get that, and then we have Brian, basically the the uh, voiceover with the essay, telling Vernon, "Screw you! You see us how you want to see us. We don't anymore, but you do." So Vernon's the loser at the end of the movie, and then <laughs> Bender's the winner. <laughs> Walking across the football field, fist up in the air, Breakfast Club Unite. Yep. And that's our end. And then our. Can I tell you something about that? Hmm. That fist in the air was not in the script. He did that ad lib. Ad libbed it. 100%. And the song, Don't You Forget About Me, was written for the movie, but Simple Minds wasn't the first person to be asked to perform it. It was Billy Idol. Hmm. I'd like to hear the cover of that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, but, but he, you know, and I think, you know, one of my favorite things is that image because I think as a kid, we saw that and we were like, what's the triumph there? Were we thinking he triumphed over prom queen or did he triumph over the day? I think he felt triumphant because he accomplished, you know, something. I think like, you know, that's like some sort of hope. For the future in his world. It was a combination of a lot of stuff. I got something to be happy about now. 
you know. Yeah. The girl likes me that got new friends. has no business liking me. I'm not just a stereotype, you know. No. Other people have problems just as or more fucked up than my own. It's a combination of everything. And it was do, a it was a fun think, day at do, detention. Do you think he's the hero of this movie or do you think he's just the symbolism of like the feelings of the movie? I don't think there's a hero in the movie. I mean, I think that's what I would say. I think he's more of a symbol, but I think if there's a hero, all five of them are heroes of the movie because they went in with a certain mindset and came out with a completely different one. And that's awesome. They learned to accept people and not prejudge, which hopefully is something they, Let's they do... all carried forward. We should do six packs. Okay. Because because I've got them ready. This movie's the best movie. <laughs> Let's do the best six pack. I'm going to hit mine first. All right. All right. My favorite, one of my favorite moment is Bender's impression of Big Bry's house. That whole scene where they, and you know, I think what's great about it is that he shows this ideal vision of what, you know, a, a beaver cleaver household would look like. Oh, yeah. And then I think when he does the whole punching the face, thing that shows the true undercurrent of how families really are. I think he's, he's just, like I said, he's like a, he's a mirror of society. sometimes when he, the way he does things. What do you mean? Like when he the had the punch, end of his thing and his like, yeah, the punch where he does the punch on the, right. He acts like he's the father and the mother kissing. And then he does the right. Right. Know, the punch up the father punching up. I think that, you know, it shows that, that nothing is perfect as it seems. I think as he's pointing out, I don't think so. I never thought that. I do. I thought that was just. Well, I did. Oh, see, I've all that scene when he does that. I thought that's just him being like, "That makes me sick." You get what I'm I saying? I can see where you get that. I think he's just like. Me. But I also think. I think I think that's what it was. Him doing that whole thing and being like, "That disgusts me." Well, remember earlier when he said earlier, "Well, you must be a liar too." Well, you're a liar too. You're an idiot and a liar. Because of how Andrew was talking about his parents. And I think this is that same thing. Like, Brian, we look at him as his perfect image of what he is, but it really isn't. No one's life is like that. I think that's that's his commentary every time someone talks about their parents. Like, your parents are shit, too. Get over it. And they probably don't get along, you know? Get over it. Yeah. I think, to me, that's what I got out of it. But, you know. Again, I... My young mind may may not... I see it differently now, maybe, than I'm younger. Could be. I just always thought that's just him kind of wrapping up his story basically saying screw you and your perfect family <laughs> but okay are you ready for yours i'm ready um i already said and just because especially when i was a kid watching this the um toilet seat cover hanging out of his pants <laughs> <laughs> i just love that that's just funny. Oh, you, that's just funny you love you some potty humor yes especially that to the character all the kids hate thinking he's like big shit well, they love me around here i'm a swell guy i make thirty one thousand dollars a year <laughs> i have a home he's a piece of shit all right yes he is <laughs> all right okay I have, here's I have my a next. home and a coffee maker you talked over my can not the first time not the last <laughs> <laughs> okay um the uh 
the dick in the dirt. You know, I'm going to knock your dick in the dirt. I was really young when I first heard that, you know. I knew what a dick was then, though. But, you know, to hear a authority figure like that tell a kid, I'm going to knock your dick in the dirt, that was yeah, pretty weird. Yeah, it is. I don't think this, this wasn't age appropriate for us the ages we saw it. Let's go with that. No way. We should have been a little Not older. at all. Not at all. Not for me, anyways. I know for a fact I was a little young for it. So, you ready for yours? Yes. Carl. Carl. Uh, I knew you were going to say Carl. I fucking love Carl. He, he, I loved it because he was that actual voice of reason for Vernon. Yeah. Explaining to him, you know. You took you got you got a job as a teacher because you wanted summers off, basically. And then you realized it was actually work. Basically telling him, You're the one that changed, not the kids. And Yeah, you picked the wrong job. Don't blame other people for your bullshit. Carl is the voice, uh, the soul, you know. I yeah. someone else was picked to play him. I forget who it was. I feel like I mean, I wish he had been in the movie more, actually, than he was. I would And they dropped out this the last second. He would be uh he would be great for a, a sequel. Like a retelling almost through his eyes. Explain oh, what happened. You want to know who was supposed to play Carl? Hmm. And he dropped out the day before filming. Dan Aykroyd. Because he didn't like working with John Hughes. No, Rick Moranis. Oh, really? That would have been interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I think it would have still been a good thing because he, he, he would be funny. But I think he would have tried to steal, chew up too much scene. I think Carl, as it was... Did it perfectly, the guy who played him. I love him in that movie. Just an awesome character. All right, here's my next one. All right. The Circle Therapy. I already told you, I think that was the best directing in the movie. I think the most real emotions and moments happen in that particular, like their whole circle, you know, sitting on top of the, on that balcony area and having those conversations. And I feel that that is real like to what some high school situations are like, not, not necessarily that people get emotional and cry. Right. But I can remember having situations where you're with people talking about shit and you're in that kind of situation. Uh, some people might have emotions on, I didn't have a lot of emotional ones, but I can say that that's something I can see happening for real. Yeah. That was a real deal. Well, especially after you're high, you know, they were high. Correct. Starting to come down. Guards were down. There you go. Correct. Correct. I am with you really high. Really high. <laughs> but they should have been paranoid, though, shouldn't they? <laughs> it depends on how it hits you, I guess. We don't know what strain. Yeah. We, don't know what so, strain uh, we don't know what strain Bender had. That's true. Back then, they didn't have, I think, strains. I think you just got whatever and then was it also, grown yeah. somewhere but nearby. But then, you know, it was also steeping in Brian's underwear for a good hour. <laughs> so... Oh yeah, it probably you don't had know that what that did to it. to it. Yeah, it was in tidy whities okay, for. An are hour. you ready for your? Yes. Are you ready for your last one? Yes. The subject matter of the movie as a whole was my favorite thing about it. The fact that I mean, it's such an iconic movie, <clears throat> but you know, John Hughes had already done Sixteen Candles, you know, and that was. A great movie too. But then to do something like this, to have that kind of message in it, 
that we're we're just sitting here, you know, as we were talking about just some of the the different issues going on in that movie. It was 1985. How much has changed? Other than Suicide. other yeah, other than bullying people on the internet instead of face to face as much. Yeah, you're right. Now they're doing it all online. Putting that, but but putting out a movie like that where he could have done another sixteen candles. Guy gets girl at the end. Yeah. Made bank. Kept going. You know. But to to put them out like that. And John Hughes is so good at doing teen movies that teens understand. You know. For the time. Not from an adult perspective to actually know how to do it from that perspective and being able as a teen or even a preteen to understand that instead of doing it, you know, as an adult director that this is what I want the movie to be, you know, him doing it, this is what the movie should be, or this is what the movie is, you know, is different. So to do that kind of subject matter for a team movie, when he could have just kept going and cranking out more pretty or more uh, 16 candles, if he wanted to, people have eaten those up. Um, you know, he's, his catalog's amazing. We all know this, but to do something like that, I think that's my favorite part of it to, to tackle so much in a movie and to have yeah. so, so many characters that either you relate to or you relate to more than one, you know, for, for different reasons. I do pieces of each pieces of each character. I would say you kind of relate to. All right. So I'm going to find something generic because I have to. Oh, do we have to? I'm I'm going to I'm going to pull out a generic one. Let me hit my thing here. All right. All right. The only thing I could say that I thought was kind of weird was John Bender ripping books up pointlessly. (laughs) It seemed pointless. It didn't seem like it needed to be there. I mean, I get doing the card catalog thing because you're just going to annoy the shit out of someone. <laughs> Mixing but everything up. The destruction is a little different. Yeah, yeah. The destruction was a little bit over the top for me. That's just all. It was, he's, you know, that didn't need to be there. Like He's that. got an image to maintain, though. In front of them, Mo, M- Mole really go- pumps my nads. <laughs> Moliere. You know? Yeah. And, like, you just happen to have that book. So, yeah. Um, Do you have one? Yeah. Yeah, I'll give you one. <clears throat> so while I do love the subject matter and everything they tackled, <clears throat> I still always, I'm, I'm going to say, I do feel like you touched on this a little bit, that the the circle discussion and just, just everything that, that came out. While it's a powerful movie and it's, you know, great for what it is, I will say it still is a little unbelievable to me overall. And I hate saying that it's such a great movie, but at the same time, not because of that. Although the reason I say that is if you put five completely different kids in a Saturday detention, choose any five kids you want, and you do that a million different times in real life, do you ever think something like that happens? No, but I think that's what makes this uh, movie makes it seem special that these particular people with their personalities got together. I think but I'm it just could saying, happen. Do you do think I that think would actually, or, no, you know what I mean? I'm watching, I'm thinking like when I do, like if I have to look at it like and objectively and think, could I view this happening? Just like you with how you are like, no, that's nobody would do that in a movie or they shouldn't do that. Like I look at it that way. I'm like, 
anybody sitting there for detention, if they don't know each other or want to talk to each other, chances are they're just going to dick around and do nothing until detention's over. Sleep. You know, that's all. I'm just saying it is one thing that, and I get suspend disbelief, but it's one thing I've always kind of wondered about with that movie is thinking about that way. It's like, I don't think nobody would actually open up to each other like that. I, I mean, it's for the movie. They it's, did, it's great. So. They did. Yes. I, I think one other thing too, what billionaire fucking donated to that school to build that library? That's the other thing I want to know. <laughs> that is the baddest ass high school library with a sculpture in the middle ever so. and a nice DJ booth. Yeah. No shit. And you know, I'm down with that. Like that library um, is insane. So, um, Rotten Tomatoes. Do you know what the audience score is on this one? Like 93? 92. Okay. What do you think the critics score is? 86. 89. You're 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 undershooting it there. Um, so yeah, obviously movies this old with in Rotten Tomatoes, if it's a 92, that's almost perfect. Yeah. I mean, it's hard because back the the movies the harder to get higher for those old ones. Um, newer movies get pumped up a little. Okay, so I have a review here, a couple of them. Now, I couldn't get a review from then on a positive one. It was hard to find one. I, so I couldn't find reviews from then. It was hard. So I just got some that they've done more recently on rewatching. Okay. So Austin Tunick of Under the Radar in March of 2018, he said, an absolutely outstanding movie, not only one of the best ever made about high school age kids, but one of the pinnacle films of the 1980s. I would say, yeah. Okay. Uh, now, now, Paul Paul Adonazio of the Washington Post. He says taking place almost entirely in one room, The Breakfast Club is the kind of movie and the kind of play that's hardly seen anymore and good riddance. Paul is not my favorite guy. Was his name Paul Adonazio? Um it should be Adonazio. Um now, a couple things we I didn't go over with you with the cast stuff. There's some cast stuff here. Um, the cast stuff, uh, Claire's part was auditioned by two other very famous people, Robin Wright and Jodie Foster. Wow. So that, that could have been interesting. And Bender was actually originally written for John Cusack. And Nick Cage also auditioned for the role. Oh, uh, Nick Cage. So that would have been awesome. Um, one of the themes. Um, if they ever did a remake, I'd like to see the Nick, movie. I'd like to see Nick Cage as the principal. If they ever did a remake. Couple or, things. The theme, the theme of the movie was supposed to be the teenage struggle for acceptance and to be understood. Um, I wrote down my note. This is the greatest high school movie ever. Um, it had a one million budget. How much money do you think it made? 1985. So I'd say 56 million. 51.5. Hey. So that's in the theater. So rental market, you know. Oh, yeah. Even to this day is making money. I still have a breakfast Um, club. A circle puzzle I need to put together. Random. I know. I'd take (laughs) that. The the circle therapy that they did, all those conversations, was ad-libbed. Was it? Um, that's what it says in like, the uh, but, the biography. 
not why they I would were, say I don't think all that. I think there were themes, say. but a lot of the stuff they came up with on their own. I'm, I'm thinking the reasons they were upon the themes. The reasons they were in detention, I think, was already written. I'm assuming. I already told you this, but the Breakfast Club it, was wait, supposed to be the it, start of a franchise. Yes, Go if ahead. you're going to tell me that that was ad libbed and um, Milo Estevez decided he was in detention for taping somebody's butt cheeks together, that's weird. Yeah, all I'm saying. Yeah, that would be yeah. all I'm saying. It, uh, we don't know though because they're actors and who knows. Um, but the, it was supposed to be a franchise and check in the char- check in on the characters in subsequent movies. So that was supposed to happen. Um, another thing that annoyed people um, and almost got him fired from the set was Judd Nelson would stay in character off camera to the point Hughes had to be convinced not to fire him by the other four. Just like you know they came together for him. Right off camera as much as they did on, on camera. camera. I found that to be some sort of strange sym- symmetry, right? Um, Joe would harass Molly off camera a lot. That's interesting. So there's your facts. That's this movie. Well, the biggest fact too that I love this movie. Everybody knows it also formed the Brad Pack came out of that. Which we didn't, we didn't mention. A piece of it. Yeah. Not all of it was in there because Rob Lowe is part of that and he wasn't there. I think that between this and St. Elmo's Fire you kind of had the whole brat pack there um, at that time. But John Hughes didn't film, didn't direct both of those, of course. Just the one. But uh, yeah, you're right. The brat pack, very famous. Um, they made a lot of movies back then, made a lot of money, did a lot of cocaine, probably. Yes. <laughs> so, so now I, I got th- is awesome. I got to throw my uh, character connection in, though, too, real quick. <clears throat> Go ahead. Anthony Michael Hall and Principal Vernon. Do you remember another movie they starred in together? Not off top. Well, yes, he was the football coach, and he was uh, Johnny B. Johnny B. Good. There you go. And Johnny B. Good. Or and yeah, that was. And they didn't like each other in that as well, right? <laughs> and he played a jock. He wasn't a very believable jock, though. Let's get real. <laughs> Great movie, but also with Robert Downey Jr. that you just mentioned. Why friend. does he always uh, play that big character in those movies? Like he did that in uh, Back to School, and I know he did it, and he was in Less Than Zero as a bit part. I mean, he's just been a lot of movies where he's like the the guy with the friend, like he's like the friend of the main guy. So that was just early in his career. Yeah, still building well, he, his career, he and he was late. he also well he did because he had a lot of fucking drug problems too. Yeah, I know. I know about that. That's that's why he uh, was a big deal when he came back. I was just home. watching like last weekend, actually, the uh, story on him on Reels. Yeah, it was on and I got sucked down a rabbit hole. I'm watched, sorry, man. I watched his and then I watched Patrick Swayze's right after that. And then there was like three or four I watched in a row. Johnny Depp's. You know, during if we do Dirty Dancing, there's some stories about Jennifer Gray and Patrick Swayze did not like each other. So. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> I don't want to do that movie. Uh, so this movie, yeah, we probably will, but you know how it is. You don't tell me what um, to do. Because you know, it, there were clubs where people went and saw it in a the theater a hundred times. That's we have fine. to do a movie that has that type of following. We'll do the Rocky Horror Picture so, Show. This movie, the that is, yeah, that's, yeah, that's a that I agree with. Um, but this movie here, um, do you know what you would give it on the ratings, the scale, twenty? One to twenty-four. The uh, whole case is it worth a can? Um, every you know, basically one can. It means it's a shit movie. So if you give it the whole case, that means it's perfect. Anything in between, 
you're just giving it a little bit of a value. A little bit of value. Wow. What do you? What would you give this one? Um, I gotta give. I'd give this twenty. Ooh, I have to. 20? It's it's such an important movie, and and I'm gonna say I'm gonna be honest. I love this movie. Is it something I would watch over and over again? No. I'm gonna be honest. I do love the movie, and is such a good movie. Um, I, I've seen it plenty of times, though, so it's kind of like one of those things. Um, I know when we did Night's Tale and I talked about how I would rewatch that every single time it's on, you know. But for what this movie tackled and the manner in which it did it and that it came out when, I mean, yeah. there wasn't, can you think of anything else a lot around that time that, that was this heavy for a teen movie? I, I don't no, know. Not at all. Asking, you know, a, he pretty much invented the genre, right? He so that's why, genre, my opinion. Yeah, I I give it twenty. I think I am I'm higher than you on this one. Okay, because I don't think it's a perfect movie, but I think it's pretty close. So I gave it a twenty three. I think that, and I'm grading it because of what it meant to everyone in our generation to see it. Right. And like you said, what it represents and how I don't think. While there are, like I said, and this is why I mentioned earlier, while there are all there are those things that people now would look at it and take this social justice warrior approach to it. I don't think that detracts from the message and the quality of the movie. So that's why for me, it's a 23. Yeah. Um, everyone puts their hand in the air and triumph when they walk across the football field. Because of this movie, it has a pop culture mark on it. Marks pop culture. Yeah, it does. Eat it my does. shorts. It does. You name it. And so, uh, with an average of twenty one point five, this is obviously the highest rated movie that we've rated so far. Yes. Um, I know if we were to rate it right now, that thing you do would be better, but <laughs> we're not doing it yet. No, you and don't. We'll, we'll make our list. You don't know that. Oh well, maybe you. I can. I don't. The system. It better be. We base. <laughs> Oh, you could. We're not. You're not. You gotta be honest. <laughs> gotta be honest. I can only be honest to myself. You gotta. We'll All be right. Honest with you too. Uh-huh. Let's wrap this shit this up. This is a long one. This we is a long it. one. But for a movie that deserved it. But it's best. The best high school movie of all time deserves time. So, um, what we want to let you know is, you know, if you want to look us up, leave us, a, drop us a line. Let us know some movies you'd like us to do. Put uh, Soda Pop Culture Club or Mike and Anthony Soda Pop Culture Club in the Google machine. It brings us up pretty much first six, seven things. Also, at Mike and Anthony on Twitter or at, on Instagram and at Mike and Anthony with an S on Twitter. What do you got to say? Until the next time, don't you forget about us. Yeah, or me. Or just don't forget about me. You yeah, forget me. About fuck him. I don't, just me. <laughs> I was trying to be nice. <laughs>